Oh, great job, Kelly. You're a hard act to follow. Um, I guess I better watch my words closely because I have a little butterfly going too. And I, I don't know that inappropriate has been the thing that I've done, but I might take it over tonight. Well, ladies, I'm so glad to be with you. And a shout out to Plano for joining us. Um, and to all the women that are watching online and that are watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you're here. We wish you were in the room with us, but we're glad you're here. Um, I'm Antoinette Davis. Uh, picture my family will come up on the screen. G told you a little bit about them. Um, I've been married to Barry for 32 years. We were college sweethearts, fell in love in economics class. I'm pretty sure that that's the only reason God had me in economics class because that definitely is not my giftedness. I was a communications major, not sure why I was there. Um, two adult daughters um, in the last um, year and a half, we've added a son-in-law. So my husband is delighted to have another man in the family. And we've also added um, three dogs to our family in the last year and a half, um, two labs and a golden retriever. So my home is really crazy right now, but it is crazy fun. And I am just thrilled to be here tonight and just great um, teaching. I mean, Callie and um, Cheryl have just challenged us about strong women in scripture, personal stories about the way that God has worked in their lives to bring glory to him. We've laughed, we've been challenged, and now I want to take a few minutes to talk about, with you about where God has you. And specifically, I want to talk to you about, are you thriving? Are you flourishing in this garden of life? If I ask you how you're doing today, would you be thriving and flourishing? Well, Elizabeth Tamlin, one of my sweet, um, godly friends who's sitting in the audience tonight and I were in South Dallas at a high school we both serve at, and we were having lunch with a group of high school boys, and they were talking about having been to the shopping mall that weekend in hot pursuit on a mission to find a P31. Now, Elizabeth Tamlin and I are, um, we're not so hip on the latest technology and everything, so we're kind of looking at each other like, what's a P31? Thinking, you know, is that some new video game? You know, is there a new iPhone P31 that I don't know about? Um, you know, thinking that I would need to go home and ask my children what that was. Um, but we were lucky to learn at lunch that a P31 is a Proverbs 31 woman. These young men, yeah. These young high school guys were at the mall of all places looking for a P31. Who would have known, right? Well, ladies, the funny thing about that is so many of us are looking for the perfect woman. She may not be biblical. They might be looking for the cultural perfect woman. But we even strive for it ourselves, don't we? We feel that pull to have it all, to be perfect, to be bold and magnificent, to have some great calling or challenge on our lives, to bring God glory through some great mission work. We strive to be perfect women, to be a perfect worker, a perfect wife, mom, friend, daughter. You fill in that blank. Do you feel the need to be more, to do more, 
are you restless, ladies? Because even in the Christian community, we bump up against this idea that we need to be some kind of perfect woman. We need to be a perfect wife, mother, homemaker, and oh, by the way, we need to look lovely while we're doing it, right? All of it. It's crazy. We beat ourselves up or feel lacking because we aren't living up to what society says or this picture that we've got from reading one piece of scripture about a perfect woman. Um, We hold ourselves up to her and we get defeated. Now, I'll give you an example of the HGTV woman, right? My girls follow Pinterest, they show me pictures, I get to see it, but here's the gal that we think we need to be compared to. She always looks lovely, she opens the door to her house to let us in, it's decorated perfectly, she has 2.5 children sitting quietly at the dining room table. Their name cards are at the table. They never do anything wrong, and they're straight-A students, and they're the president of the Honor Society. Her never-grouchy or demanding husband looks perfect as he's going off to work. And and in the next scene, we see her while she's riding her Peloton bike that she got for Christmas. She's not sweating at all. And then we get to see her perfect outfit, her perfect abs, which I will not show you mine because they ain't perfect, and whatever on her blog. That's who we're comparing ourselves. Are you tired? Is she making you tired? None of us can compare to that. Ladies, Scripture perfect woman is different than that woman. The key passage of Proverbs 31 is not what that woman was doing. It's who she was, who her heart was. The woman was a woman who fears the Lord. She fears and loves God. She wasn't striving to be the HGTV queen of the 20th whatever century that was. She was thriving with the skills, the abilities, the resources that God had given her in the garden of life he had put her in. Here's the overriding spiritual truth I wanted to talk about for a few minutes. God wants you to grow. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be content wherever he has you in this garden of life with whatever he's given you. And that's it, plain and simple. Rather than comparing ourselves to others, rather than striving to be superwomen, God wants us to experience his peace and his pleasure right where we are today. So how do we make that happen? Well, the first thing I wanna talk about is we have got to spend time with him. It starts with spending time with our heavenly gardener. We are busy, busy women. I look out at you guys. I know we're busy, busy women. Are you tired of just thinking about the to-do list that you've got buried in your purse or in your, your, on your iPhone? your things that you've got at work, at your family. Um, I know some of you might even have come here tonight to maybe take a rest from your family, like mom's night out, I'm getting out of here, I'm going to church, no one can tell me no, let me out the door, right? Yep, I, I get it, I've been there, I'm an empty nester, but I told my husband, hey, hon, I got church tonight, see you later, have fun. The three dogs are yours, because we're dog sitting this weekend, we've got them all. Um, so I know that your time is precious. 
Um, But everyday ladies, spending time with the Lord is what makes the difference. Jesus knew that as women, we were gonna be striving and working and overdoing it. He knew that we would struggle with that. I love the story in scripture of Mary and Martha, Luke 10, verses 40 to 42. Now, sweet Martha was complaining to Jesus. In fact, she was having a bit of a meltdown. In my family, we would call that a princess moment or a hissy fit. But she was, Lord, Martha wailed, don't you care that my sister is not helping me? Can't you just see her? She has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her to help me. That's what Martha tells Jesus. And I think Jesus could have said a lot of things to her. He might have even wanted to laugh because a little bit of me wants to. But he doesn't do that. He just says, Martha, Martha, why are you worried and upset about so many things? But few things are needed. Indeed, only one thing is necessary. One thing, spending time with him. I encourage you ladies today to follow Jesus' instruction. The one thing that matters is just time with him. God promises us refreshment, rest, peace, gratitude, joy, if we'll spend time with him and pour into his word. His word will water, fertilize, and just cultivate our souls but we have to be the ones to start. So how do you encounter the presence of God? How do you do that? Ladies, you just sit with your cup of coffee, one that doesn't have cracks in it. Sit with your cups of coffee, open his word, meditate on scripture, read the stories that he gives us in the Bible, listen for his voice, just meditate on what he's teaching you, just be with him in the garden of life. God wants you to grow, he wants you to thrive, he wants you to be content where he has you. And it starts with spending time with him, getting to know his heart, and understanding and feeling how deeply, deeply God loves you for who you are, where you are right now. Well, the second thing we have to do is we just have to start getting in and working the rocky soil where God has us. Life is hard. Even beautiful flowers, though, can grow in the middle of terrible concrete. Anytime I feel like I'm in a really bad place, I know I can open my Bible and find somewhere in Scripture where the Israelites had it way worse than I do. And that, I know it doesn't sound very nice, but in a sick way, it's really comforting to me, and it kind of puts me... It's a reset button. I know I can say, okay, I cannot whine. Look at how bad the Israelites had it. Well, recently I was in Jeremiah where God sent a message to a group of Israelites who were in exile. They were captives. They were captives in slavery. They had been drug away from their homes, their families, their city, everything that they knew. And I am thinking that some of those Israelites might have been praying for just, God, get us out of here, because I think that's what I would have been praying for. Um, But that was not what God did. It was not what God responded. Here's what he charged them to do, not escaping or fighting against their captors, but God told them, build houses and settle down. 
plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now what? We're in exile? God wants us to pray for this city, to let it prosper. In other words, ladies, God told those Israelites, bloom where you are planted. To be useful, thrive, even in the worst of circumstances. The hard truth is that life is rarely perfect for any of us. If it is, it's usually only perfect for short periods of time, and boy, you better enjoy those while it's there, right? Many times we wish we were in different places or in different circumstances. We wish we could um, change things. We wallow in our dissatisfaction and we can can become bitter. We can allow the seeds of envy and negativity just to grow and strangle out all of our joy and our dreams. Or we can choose to really just dig in in those bad places, begin to work that rocky soil, and make the most of where God has us, being fully present and fully engaged where we are. So ladies, we've got to gather up those gardening tools and get after the weeds of envy, of strife, of negative thoughts, of dissatisfaction, and cultivate the soil where God has us. Galatians 6, 9 tells us to not grow weary. Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't grow weary. Weeds are always in the garden of life. Even that lady on HGTV, if you went in her garden, there are critters and weeds in that garden. I guarantee she's got squirrels just like the rest of us, right? Driving her crazy. Um, They are there. So where, ladies, does God have you right now? Are you being fully present with those God already has in your garden of life? Do you see the needs around you? At work, are there coworkers who are hurting, who need to know the love of Christ? At home, are you a mom who is just weak with tiredness from your little people just pulling you in every direction, but God has called you up to raise them up as godly men and women who will love and serve him as adults? Are you a sister, a daughter, a neighbor, a friend, a wife? If you're any of those things, you have a mission field of people that God has placed you in their lives to love, to serve, to encourage, to be his hands and feet. God wants you to thrive and be content where he has you today. And he's already given you a rich garden to do that. Well, what if you don't love where God has you today? You're thinking that your garden doesn't look so good. Well, God may not move you, but I would tell you, get out your weed whacker, ladies, and get to work. Because the secret of being content is to weed out the discontent. God may not rescue you like he didn't rescue those Israelites. For a long time, I believed that all God really wanted from me was a lot more. He wanted me to volunteer more. He wanted me to serve on more committees. I needed to 
teach more Sunday school class. I needed to do more, be more. It was a life of striving. Um, and it, it was tiring. Um, I really thought that um, God just wanted more on my already long to-do list. Um, wrapped up in all those misconceptions that was very me-centric point of view. For some reason, I had come to believe that I was kind of the savior of the committees I was on. I was the only woman who could do certain things, and I was certainly the sole hope of vacation Bible school. Um, <laughs> Boy, was I wrong, Um, but all those misconceptions really weighed me down. I could never be content because I was so busy trying to please God with my works rather than resting in that he had really done all the work I needed. I just needed to be present with him. Ladies, God is not a taskmaster. He's not some boot camp instructor that's got things for you to do. And I am not his slave. I am a beloved daughter. He is my father. I am cherished and loved by him. He doesn't want my striving or my petty activities or any of my reluctant yeses or my burnout offerings. God wants me to just be with him and to do things with him. In Philippians 4, 11 to 13, Paul writes about contentment from prison. And here's what he says. I am not saying this because I'm in need, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Well, Paul makes several key things that I think we need to think about in terms of contentment. First, Paul says contentment is a secret, but you can figure it out. It's something that can be learned. It's a secret because it's so hard for us to get. It's not a natural thing to learn to be content. Our flesh keeps wanting more and different. Contentment is from God. Second, contentment is attainable even in the worst of circumstances. Paul was in prison where he learned to be content. Third, being content is something that we do, something that takes effort and strength and practice, not something that happens with the magic fairy dust that we get. Contentment is a choice. It is a choice that starts with our mind and in our heart. We choose contentment. And finally, the strength to learn contentment comes from our Heavenly Father, and that goes back to the time with Him. And that's where God wants us, to learn to be content, to choose to be content wherever he has us. Scripture tells us to allow our convictions, not our circumstances, to drive our sense of contentment. True biblical contentment is trusting that Christ and his purpose and his provision and his power is good enough for any place, any time anywhere that you find yourself. So ladies, what weeds are holding you back? What will it take for you to find freedom today from the mentality of being burdened or weary or striving and just live with the joy and the peace of a cherished daughter of the one true God? The next time you feel that discontentment start to sneak in and push your buttons, pause and breathe deeply. Refuse to go there. 
meditate on Paul's words. Declare that it has no place in the beautiful garden that God has given you. Well, our souls are restless. We were made for a close, intimate relationship with God. And we are restless, ladies, until we find that rest in Him. No unique purpose, no great task, no fabulous mission, nothing is going to fill your soul until you have an intimate relationship with God. So ladies, do you know Jesus? He is God's son, and he's God's gift to each of us. The way God provided for us so that we can have a relationship with him. Have you accepted that you will never be at peace, you'll never find complete joy, you'll never be content in this life without Jesus? We have all sinned and we all fought short of perfection, a long way from from perfection for many of us. And that's why God provided a way out for our sin to be forgiven and not held against us any longer. Without Jesus, there is eternal separation from God. But Jesus took the penalty from our sins. He died on the cross for you and for me so that our sins would be forgiven and we would have direct access to God. So do you know our Jesus, the Jesus that Callie and Cheryl talked about, the Jesus that we sang about? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Not someone that you grew up with, not someone that you heard about, but someone who you have accepted as yours, that he died for you. If not, I just encourage you this evening to meet our Jesus come forward after the singing tonight and talk to one of us or turn to one of the gals sitting by you and tell her, ask her to tell you about her Jesus. So now let's go back to the garden and wrap up. Ladies, we have to work the soil. We have to whack the weeds. We have to spend time with our heavenly gardener. At the end of the day, we are not what we do. We are not what we do. We are so much more than that. We are daughters of the heavenly king. You are his workmanship, created on purpose, created on purpose. He designed you on purpose for a purpose and wants to have a close, intimate relationship with you. Allow God to draw you deeper to him, deeper into his heart and away from the comparison and the striving and the pursuits of this world. That's where you'll find peace, you'll be content, and you will be equipped to grow and thrive in the garden of life. Let me close this in prayer. Father, what a sweet way you have shown us your love and encouraged us by the gift of this evening. God, we thank you for the opportunity for each of us to be here, to laugh together, to be stirred by truth together, to be challenged. I pray for those who came seeking to be refreshed and encouraged, Lord, that they received that. And I pray for those who needed a special touch tonight, who are lonely or in a bad place or hurting, that they were granted that touch. And Father, I pray that each woman here and the gals in Plano and the gals watching on Facebook or on television or on their computers would just experience the depth and riches of your grace and love. 
May we always remember that you created each of us in your image on purpose, with purpose, and that you long to have a close personal relationship with us. And Father, for any woman here who does not know you, I just pray that she will be drawn in by your truth. She'll feel your grace. She'll feel your compassion and your deep love for her. As we go from this place, may we just continue to know your presence and the power in the very different lives we lead. May we know you intimately, rest in what you've crafted for each of us to be, and find joy and peace where you have us today. In your precious name I pray, amen.